Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from what's now yesterday. I'm recording this on Monday. This is the sermon from September 17th. We were kicking off our Stephen ministry program, and so I deviated a little bit from taking a passage from our daily walk readings and went backwards a little bit into the book of Acts. The Old Testament reading was from Exodus, oh, I don't have it in front of me, I think Exodus 18, where Jethro is talking to Moses after Moses has freed the Israelites and they come back to that part of the wilderness and Jethro notices that Moses is doing too much and that he's spending all day and all night judging the cases of the people and advises him to delegate. So that was the Old Testament reading and then the New Testament is the passage of the selection of Stephen from Acts 6 in the first seven verses and you'll hear that being read. So that's the context for the service. Please remain standing for the reading from the New Testament which comes from the book of Acts in chapter 6, the first seven verses. Now during those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of the food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, my friends, select from among you seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The first church that I served in ministry, as some of you know, was in rural northwest Florida. It was small, just 125 members, and as often is the case in small churches, As the pastor, I did pretty much everything. Naturally, I preached every Sunday, but there wasn't a secretary, and so I did all of the secretarial work. When someone was in the hospital, which was frequently in an older congregation, I went to see them every single day, even though it was an hour one way to the hospital. I ran the youth group. I wrote the vacation Bible school program, put up the Christmas tree, picked out and helped set set up the sound system, fixed the toilet, fixed the copy machine, cleaned the sanctuary after worship, and when the organist told me midweek that she was not going to be able to come the next Sunday, which happened to be Easter Sunday, I recorded the music myself on a keyboard and hit play on Sunday morning. The church doubled in attendance across my three years there, and there were some leaders who rose up and helped me. But during that time, I was also going through the ordination process with the Florida Board of Ordained Ministry. And they appreciated that I was having a successful ministry in a rather notorious location. But they could also see that I wasn't going to be in ministry long at the rate that I was going. You're burning out, they said. 
you have to learn to delegate. And they were right. One more year of doing it all, and I would have been out of ministry entirely. As we've heard in the readings this morning, such issues aren't new for religious leaders. In the Old Testament morning that Mary Claire, the Old Testament lesson that Mary Claire read for us this morning, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, watches with amazement as Moses sits from dawn until well after dark, listening to all the issues of the people, whole long lines, one after one after one. And he finally takes Moses aside and says, what are you doing? What is this? There's people out here all day long. You're sitting here from dawn until dark. And Moses says, I'm doing the work of God. I'm supposed to bring the cases of the people before God. And Jethro says, this is not good. What you're doing is, going, is not good for them, and it's not good for you. Delegate. Pick people over thousands, over hundreds, over tens. Delegate it. They'll be better off because they don't have to stand in line all day waiting for you, and you'll be better off because you won't burn out. Moses does that, and Israel thrives. We see the same passage in Acts, essentially. Here's the church in its very earliest stages of formation. It had been a group of disciples who lived and traveled with Jesus. Now Jesus is physically gone from their midst, and the focus is on spreading the good news of his resurrection and the coming of the kingdom of God. That was Jesus' final command, and that meant organization. There was a task to complete a mission to fulfill, and the disciples were trying to sort out the best way to get that mission accomplished. As the organization grew, there were more things that needed tending, including the care of the new converts. They could hardly represent Christ if they were neglecting the poor and the widows and the orphans. But the twelve disciples were trying to do it all themselves, and the job was just too big. Before long, they found that their whole purpose and mission was being undermined. They were so busy caring for people who'd already been converted that they were no longer filling Jesus' direct command to go and to make disciples of all nations. There was no time left to preach and to teach because there were so many needs to tend to. In this case, the disciples didn't need a Jethro. They could see the problem themselves. And so they call the church together and say, it's not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit of wisdom, who we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. They're not saying that the task of caring for others is beneath them. They're not saying they don't care about the plight of the widows and the orphans. They're saying that they have been called to a very particular task. And other people with different gifts need to be recruited to do the other necessary work. The thing that I find the most amazing about that passage in Acts is the next sentence which reads, What they said pleased the whole community. I can tell you that in the vast majority of churches today, at least in America, 
If the pastor groaning under the weight of trying to care for the sick, recruit volunteers, help the poor, counsel the distressed, administer an organization, preach every Sunday, teach during the week, if the pastor got up on Sunday morning and said, it's not right that I should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables, those words would not please the whole community. The higher-ups would get letters, the pastor's popularity would drop, and people would leave in a huff, deciding that the pastor was uncaring, snobbish, and should probably find another calling. But we have a calling, a mission, a very particular way that we are to contribute to the body of Christ in the particular place that we are. It's not the pastor's job to do all the ministry for the congregation. It took me a while to learn that. The pastor's called to mold and shape the spiritual life of the congregation and to delegate the other responsibilities. For the pastor to do it all, as I did in my first church, is not only damaging to the pastor, it's harmful to the congregation. If you're not empowered to find and fulfill your own calling from God, the same thing happens to the body of Christ as happens to a physical body when parts of it are neglected or unused. Muscles atrophy and become more vulnerable to disease. Other parts of the body have to work harder to compensate and then are often injured as a result of doing too much or doing things that weren't intended for that part of the body to do. For a church to be truly healthy, everybody needs to discover and live out their own calling. Now, this past summer, we sent two people, Bonnie Oliphant and Bev Welsh, to be trained in an international ecumenical program called Stephen Ministry, named after the first of those men in the Book of Acts who were chosen by the apostles to care for the church. And Stephen Ministry seeks out those in the congregation whose calling is a ministry of visitation and compassion. Like with Jethro's advice to Moses, Stephen Ministry recognizes that most people who are going through a difficult time in life don't need the specialized skills of the clergy. They simply need the caring presence of a compassionate Christian who will listen without judgment and courage without demanding. While sometimes situations end up being referred to the pastor in Stephen Ministry, In most cases, the Stephen minister is the primary caregiver, the primary bearer of the healing of Christ to a person. Across this fall, you'll see information sessions, as Bonnie was talking about earlier, first of them next week after church. We hope to have the first class of Stephen ministers begin their training in January. This will be the third church where I've worked with the program which goes a long way to be able to help me to fulfill my calling to preach the word of God, while enabling those of you who are gifted in compassionate listening to find your calling and use those gifts in God's service. Now, maybe the sermon seems to you either like a giant ad for Stephen ministry or a real big excuse for me to get out of doing some work. But I've given the issue of sharing ministry the weight of a sermon, because I think in all areas of life, that sort of sharing is critical, both for our physical and emotional health and in our spiritual growth. God's very first act after creation 
was to delegate the care of the earth to Adam. When I see the shape the earth is in today, sometimes I wonder if that was a really good idea. But for good or for ill, God has never taken that responsibility back. We still have it. Once Jesus rose from the dead, he could have stayed around another million years or so. He's living forever, he's resurrected, but he didn't. He's here with us spiritually, but he ascended bodily into heaven and said to the 12 disciples, guess what? You're not disciples anymore, you're apostles now. I'm sending you out. It's your time to be the body of Christ in the world. The body of Jesus left so that we might become the body of Christ. From the minute that God looked at Adam and said, you know, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper for him. It's been God's intention that we share the load with others. And this has spiritual benefits to it. To share the work fosters the important virtue of humility. We have to be able to acknowledge that we're not the only one on the planet who could do this job. Somebody else can do it. And somebody else maybe can even do it better. It also speeds up our spiritual growth when we're able to discover that a gift that God has given to us can actually be used in God's service. I've told a story a number of times related to music at St. John's when we were changing a style of one of the worship services there and we came around to adding the drums. Now, people have been used to hearing guitars and stuff, but when there was a drum set being played every week, there were some people who thought that maybe Satan had come in and had been doing some work. But the drummer had been a member of the church for a long time, but he hadn't really been coming much. But he was now in church every week, and for about the first month, whenever I looked over there, there were tears coming down his face because his gift was suddenly needed, used, and honored in the church. That never could have been possible if we were limited to only the organ or only certain other things. All the gifts figuring out what is my gift, how can it be used to further the kingdom of God, to enhance the body of Christ. Because the, we're all part of the body of Christ. God doesn't make useless body parts. We, are all, we all have a calling. When we share in ministry together, we're being the body of Christ, where every member of the body has its own special function and ability. When we're sharing in ministry together, we can keep doing it for the long haul because we're less prone to burnout. When we're sharing ministry together, we learn how to be in community and how to work through differences in healthy ways. Not even Jesus went it alone. He called 12 others, trained them, and then sent them out to do the work. And God is also calling every one of you. Your calling will be appropriate to your age and stage and gifts and graces. 
But there is no such thing as a Christian who's living and breathing that is not called to Christ's service. None of us can do it alone. But together, we can be the body of Christ in this place. What is God calling you to do? It's a very important question. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. I'd love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. Thank you.